Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small, in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the B2B Incubator and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching at the end of May, 2024. Remember, the B2B Incubator, apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand generals, content leads, and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategies that they've created. Some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after working through it. Make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome back to the B2B playbook. Kevin, Kevin, I've recovered. I've recovered. I was meant to have the um the bonanza of meeting the girlfriend's family and uh we went to have like three or four family functions but i finally got covid i contracted it uh, not willingly and i missed it all so i've been laying low for the last seven days which is not something i usually do it's certainly not something you usually do george i'm glad to see you here uh mostly recovered hopefully it's a bullet dodge as well on the family family functions front but i gather that you're pretty you're pretty happy to go to all those family functions no 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 i am they're uh, they're a lot of fun they're they're just like a uh, very funny people big personalities um so anyway look i'm sure it'll all happen in due course uh it was a great opportunity though kevin to flick through my newest uh book that i love and it's actually a picture book oh picture book what's that uh, Ogilvy on advertising. So it's quite a famous book. Uh, I, you know, Ogilvy is, you know, founder, owner of one of the biggest advertising agencies in the world. And I think it's quite an old book, but he basically gives his two cents on the advertising world. And he's like, here's everything I know about advertising. And here's all my recommendations for advertisers getting into the business. And here are my learnings. But the awesome thing is, there's so many case studies and he includes all of his print advertise like advertisements throughout it where he points to examples of things that he loved, things that he didn't love. And you know, what was so interesting, Kevin, it was 
his big thing was that ads should one really grab people's attention but two don't be so focused on being creative actually focus on helping people and he threw a statistic in there that said that if your content was helpful if your advertising was helpful rather than product focused uh people were 75% more likely to read it than if it just focused on the product. And, uh, you know, it had these examples of um, advertisements that he had run for cleaning products, which are decades old. And the advertisement that, you know, would have cost a lot to run in print was like how to get stains out of your shirts. And it was like 10 steps to getting stains out of your shirts. And, of course, throughout it, it mentions the product name. but Again, like Ogilvy, the king of advertising was like, focus on the pain point, focus on the benefit, focus on being helpful. And that advertising performs time and time again, better than any focus on just your product will. And I thought that was just so cool. And it makes me think, Kev, that being helpful has been true through the ages. And perhaps some of that has just been lost in the last 20 or 30 years. But being helpful works in all different formats. and. That's what I love. That's what I love, Kevin. It's nice to be helpful. That's a very cool example, George. And I definitely agree with you. Obviously, being helpful is the way to go. But yeah, Kevin, when was the last time that you read a picture book? Don't you think more nonfiction books should include pictures? It was, it's been so nice. George, it's, it's been a while. It's been a while. But, um, you know, a picture speaks a thousand words, as the old saying goes. So uh, there's probably some value in what you say there. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> Speaking of value, George, this season we have been discussing how to be helpful at scale because marketing is about building relationships at scale and you build relationships by being helpful. And in order to be truly helpful, George, you need to be solving problems. And to solve problems properly, you need someone who actually knows what they're talking about. You need an expert. And that's the topic for this week. That's right, Kevin. You need an expert because... An expert is someone who's going to help solve your customers, your dream customers' pain points in a way that you, as someone in the marketing department, unless you're a marketing agency and that's your business, you probably can't do. I really wanted to talk about this today, Kevin, because you and I have been speaking to quite a lot of people in the B2B space, a lot of marketing managers, and the problem that they're having time and time again is that they're struggling to get the experts within the business helping them create content. They realize that they can't represent themselves as the true experts and they need people in-house to help write that content. For example, if you work at a data consultancy, many of your clients are probably quite technical themselves. The people that you're communicating with could be quite technical. So how can you as the marketer be the one that's creating content that helps them? You don't really know what you're talking about. You know marketing really well. You might know a bit about the industry. You might be able to talk to some of the key points, but you don't know how to solve their problems in depth. That needs to come from the expert that's in the business. Yeah, George, that's right. The expert is rarely the person that resides in the marketing department. Your role being a marketer is to get buy-in from experts in the business and incentivize them as much as possible to start creating that expert content. But it's so hard, isn't it, getting these experts to help you create content. I mean, they just have so much other stuff they need to do. It was never in their contract. It was never in their job description that they'd be helping you write expert material they're probably thinking to themselves isn't that marketing's job like what do those marketers even do they just push stuff around they're trying to get everyone else to do their job 
so that's something that you're going to have to deal with. And that's why today we're going to give you seven really practical tips on how to get buy-in from the people around you so they can overcome that, so they can actually have it worked in as part of their everyday job and want to help you create this content. But before we dive into all that, we want the listeners to imagine their expert utopia and what that would look like. In this world, your experts are helping you create your pillar content. You want your experts to regularly share their knowledge on their own with their own network and on top of that, the companies as well. That's right, Kev. In this dream world, your experts are also building their own network. New and existing clients mention them when they talk to you and your business. Your experts get asked to feature as guests in others' content, to speak at conferences, to collaborate with other complementary businesses, to give their opinion on like really relevant industry topics. In all, Kev, these experts in this expert utopia make your life as a B2B marketer so much easier. They sure do. All right, George, without any further ado, let's give our listeners the seven practical tips to help them on their way to that expert utopia. Okay, Kev, I think the first one and one of the biggest ones is you really have to get those experts to see the benefits of building a personal brand. So for me, I think it's one of the strongest arguments for experts to help you create and distribute content because It's essentially recognition that you're an expert in your field from your peers and from those who can utilize your skill set. So you build that personal brand by sharing publicly the information that you know to demonstrate your expertise. And that's a great call out for the experts internally in your business. Sometimes they may not think that. That might not be immediately obvious to them. But it's something worth calling out to them as you try and get them to help you with that expert content production. Now, from the business's point of view, there's a whole host of benefits that go along with your expert creating their own personal brand. It's going to help them win new clients. It's going to help build fruitful partnerships. It's actually also going to help build a bit of a community around the business as well. Uh, which is a very powerful thing to do. And then for the experts personally, and this is what's probably going to really get their buy-in, is, and we've seen all of this happen, you know, we're not just making this up, but experts personally, it can help them get poached by other businesses. They can eventually leverage their audience that they build through their expert content to build their own business, if that's something that what they want to do. Um, or they could even just do it part-time with some additional consulting work. Uh, they can even, and we've seen this happen too, um, be pulled in in an advisory capacity for other complementary businesses. One example that I've seen recently, Kevin, is again, Chili Piper, that B2B marketing software business. They've gone and reached out to B2B marketing experts and they've essentially uh, asked them and paid them to be on a panel of advisors to them. So all these other people, these B2B experts, they all have full-time jobs working for other complementary businesses, but now they're earning additional income just by sitting on this advisory panel for Chili Piper, which is pretty, a pretty cool opportunity and a great way to earn some extra income to um, build your own network, et cetera. Kev, we found that really the easiest way to convince people of the benefits of building a personal brand is to show them examples of people who have done it in your industry. So LinkedIn can be a great place to go and find people who have done this 
before and they've done it in your industry and point it out and bring it to them and go look at the benefits that this person and the rewards that they've reaped by building a personal brand. If you can't find someone in your industry, I always, as a case of best practice, get them to look up the employees of a few companies, namely Chili Piper, Refine Labs, Metadata.io or Gong. And you can go and look at any of their employees and you can see the real benefits of building a personal brand there. Sorry to interrupt guys, but I need to let you know that our next cohort of the B2B Incubator is launching at the end of May, 2024. If you don't know, the B2B Incubator is our program that gives you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to drive demand for your business in 12 weeks. We keep you accountable with live Q&A sessions and make sure that all your questions are answered. It's designed for small in-house marketing teams with limited time and budget. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand gen roles, content leads, growth marketers, and more all go through this program. They're all now executing the demand gen strategy that they created in the program, and some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after applying the principles from the program. So if you're stuck on the activity hamster wheel and you're ready to be a more effective marketer that contributes to the business, Next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, head to the b2bincubator.com. Apply now. There's only 10 spots per cohort available. The b2bincubator.com. Okay, back to the show. Nice one, George. All right, let's move on to the second practical tip that we have. The second thing that you should be calling out to your experts is that they can get a lot of job security and possibly promotions along the way by helping you produce expert content. This is because as those experts develop their personal brands, they'll be bringing in work for the business. This gives the experts leverage. It's unlikely when things come to downsizing that a business will let go of a revenue generating asset. And that's exactly what those experts become when they build strong personal brands and start bringing work into the business. Yeah, how much easier is it, Kevin, to build a business case if you're going for the next promotion? If you go, well, look at this extra work I'm doing, look at the relationships I'm building, and look at how many people have mentioned me when they sign on as new clients. Like I'm helping bring new business. Uh, in the door, in addition to being the expert within the company. So definitely helps you make a stronger business case. And I would say not to be scared of starting this process with your experts for fear of losing your experts. Sometimes businesses can get a little afraid of that. But it's important to understand that once experts start getting really invested in building their personal brands and talking about the business that they work in, they're actually likely to become more engaged with your business than before. So that actually, in fact, makes them less likely to leave because they feel part of the business's growth journey. That's it, Kev. And that leads us into the third practical tip, which is pump up your experts' tires. Pump them up. You know, if they do get actively involved, as someone in the marketing department, you often have like a direct line to some of the executives in the business. And often, People in other departments don't get that. So if you get that one-on-one -on -one time with those execs, mention that you have those other experts in the business helping you create this content. Mention the impact that it's having. And uh, don't be afraid to share the praise. You know, that, that really, really helps. People love being recognized. And it's a great way to get other experts wanting to be involved. Yeah, it's really powerful when other experts see others 
in the business contributing in that way because it just creates a little bit of friendly competition. We also know a lot of marketers uh, send either executive-wide or company-wide activity reports, which is a pretty rare thing <laughs> to, to do across a whole company. But if you have that ability, again, drop in the names of the experts who've been helping you out. Um, drop their name and give them the recognition that they deserve. Pump up their tires. It doesn't hurt. Nice one, George. And to extend that a little bit further, our fourth practical tip is reward and incentivize your experts. Taking that praise one step further, you can set up programs to get other experts to tip their hat into the ring as well. You can create expert of the quarter programs, for example, where the best contributors win a drool-worthy prize. Things like travel trips or time off or time in lieu. All these things are exciting to experts and really help get the expert program going. You can also work with their bosses and execs to have their contributions recognized as part of their KPIs. If it's part of what they're working towards on a daily basis as part of their performance indicators, they're much more likely to take it seriously to contribute to it regularly. Yeah, I think those two points there are really crucial, Kevin. First of all, it's great to gamify it, make it as fun as you can, bring a bit of friendly competition in there, have rewards, but also get that executive buy-in because if the executive realizes just how important this is and how much expert content can help fuel the business, then they're going to start to be able to introduce that into those experts' KPIs. So if they do get involved in it, then they're actually meeting the objectives of what they've been employed for. And it's something that they can talk to at their next performance review. The fifth practical tip, Kevin, is once you finally get those one or two experts on board and they're helping you co-create that content, you want to keep them going. You want to keep them committed. You want to keep them making content with you. And the best way to do that is to encourage them by building a feedback loop. So we've spoken about qualitative and quantitative data before, Kevin. Now you need to think about how can I pull relevant qualitative and quantitative data and give that as feedback to the experts so they can actually see the fruits of their labor so they can see which people were viewing their content, which companies were viewing their content. What did they say about it? What were they commenting about it? Uh, have people been mentioning it when they come and meet us you know, in the business? It's really important to feed all this back to the expert so they know not just how to improve it, but they can feel good about what they've been doing at the moment. All right, George, a few tips there about how to make your experts work with you. Practical tip number six is actually making it easy for them. Let them create expert content in a format that they're comfortable with, first of all, and work with them to establish how often they can help you create it and how will it be created. Consistency is more important than frequency. So you know how much content to supplement it with in the interim. So some practical examples about how to make it easy for them. You can set up expert starter packs with templates like for LinkedIn posts, article guides, and video templates, whatever it is that your experts are comfortable with. Kevin, we've spoken about this one before. We have to make it easy. You have to make your experts comfortable. If your expert is an introverted engineer, I'm sorry to stereotype, if your expert is an introverted engineer and they're not comfortable on video for some reason, don't make them do a video podcast because they're not going to want to do it. If they are not confident in their writing abilities but are really good at talking, uh, maybe they're in this, I don't know, maybe they're in the sales department and you sell sales solutions, then get them on a podcast because they're probably great um, in an audio format. 
The point is you've got to make it easy for them and you've got to do it in a way that they can be consistent. So that also means, as you said, Kev, creating templates, starter packs, um, making sure that there are appropriate timelines and you guys both agree on how often you'll be making content because consistency is more important than frequency. You can always get that frequency by repurposing their content, but you're not going to get that consistency unless you get buy-in and organization from both parties. And that leads us really nicely into our seventh most practical tip, which is Kevin, give them a hand. Give the experts a hand. We've already said they have a whole other job to do. This isn't actually part of their job. You probably haven't been able to get the executives to write it into their KPIs. So we need to make this as easy as possible. And we have a bunch of tips on how to give them a hand. That's right, George. You can start by giving them an editorial calendar that outlines topics and prompts them to do certain things at certain times. You can also prepare workshops to help them get better and be more confident in the format that they are creating in content already. I really like that idea, Kev, of preparing workshops to help the experts get better and more confident in that format that they're creating in. So if they are doing a video podcast, bring someone in and teach them how to present better on video, how to talk better to the camera. If it is on writing, then get them a course on how to write better. They actually might find that really interesting. It's something that's different from their everyday job. It's a new skill. I think everyone, Kevin, has this inner desire to be, in quotation marks, creative. And this is an outlet for them. So don't be afraid to explore that as part of being in this expert creation field. Exactly. It's all part of giving them the tools to do this expert content with confidence. As part of that, you can also jump on one-on-ones to help them brainstorm and get started. That might be as simple as refining content topics with them. Sometimes they just need a sounding board to make sure this is the right type of content for the audience that you're trying to reach in your marketing channels. Another good one, Kevin, uh, which I think really most of our marketers could jump on and do pretty easily is to get on a video call with your experts, ask them questions about their topics maybe questions that you know that your dream customers have, record their answers, and you can turn those answers into little micro videos for your content. So, you know, that takes up less of their time. Uh, It comes off as quite natural and it gives you some great content to put out there. And again, if they're not comfortable with video, you can make that like an article interview, a feature interview, if you will, with your internal experts. Another example, Kev, of how you can give your experts a hand and make their life as easy as possible is you can email them, uh, I guess, industry relevant articles and highlight the important, the bits that are important to them and ask them for comment, give them the opportunity to put their own perspective and they can make that public if they choose to do so. But it's all about giving them prompts, giving them information so they don't have to go out there and look for it. You can then just feed it to them. And then all they have to do is apply their expert brains to it you know, let you know what you need to know, what your dream customers need to know. And then bam, you've got some great expert content. Yeah, great idea. And finally, to give your experts a hand, you can also create and give individuals a list of writing prompts relevant to their unique content themes or expertise. This can come from the pain points that we've been talking about that your audience really care about. All right, Kev, but what if you've tried all the above, you've done everything you can, you just can't get the experts to budge 
Maybe you guys are at an um, earlier stage company and everyone is just super pressed for time and they're taking on more clients that they can chew and they just don't have time to help you at all with this. What can you do, Kev? Well, there's a couple of options that we often talk about and we recommend to others. The first one is you can hire an expert for the sole purpose of content creation. This doesn't have to be full time, but you can quickly get an expert in to start getting the content going. The benefit here is you can also leverage those experts relationships as well. So that expert Kev, that can be someone who is either like an up and comer in your particular industry, and they could be looking for some more additional consultative work. Uh, it could be someone who's recently retired and looking to keep busy, but they all bring with them a host of experience, expertise that they can talk to. And as you mentioned, Kevin, a network of existing relationships. And that network of existing relationships could be your way into um, having collaborations with other relevant complementary businesses, or it could even be introductions to potential dream customers of yours as well. So there's so many benefits that can come from bringing in an expert. But it's important, as with anything else, to make sure the experts that you bring in for this capacity is aligned with where you want your content to go and what your audience would like to see. Now, another option that we often talk about is you can start your pillar piece of content where you bring in experts onto your show and rely on their expertise to fill out the conversation. So for example, you could interview experts already well-known and existing in the industry for their opinions on particular topics that you want to have content on. I think uh, Mason Cosby said it best, Kevin. I think, uh, is it next week? We're going to play our episode with him. But Mason says you can be the host of the expert party, right? So you be the place where all the experts come. They give you all the great content because you can interview them. And then all of a sudden you get to associate your brand with their expertise. Yes, that was a great point by Mason. And that, Kevin, is something that all of our marketers can do. You know, you just need to create, I guess, that show and have a format where you are able to have guests on. And that requires the least number of resources, the least number of people to convince to let a program like this happen. And is something that uh, you can see a lot of results from quite quickly because with every expert that you bring on your show, you're exposing your brand to their network. Uh, something that Mason also does, which I think is really clever, Kevin, is he positioned his show as a way of solving a peripheral problem for a lot of their ideal customers. So Mason works for a B2B marketing agency called Mojo Media Labs. And his podcast is all about hiring. So he gets their dream customers, executives from their dream customers to come on and talk on his podcast about what they think is best in an ideal candidate for their business, an ideal marketing candidate for a marketing job. But in doing that, they get exposed to Mason. They get exposed to Mojo Media Labs. They become very good friends. And then in the end, it's actually a great introduction to an account-based way of winning over key clients. So there are so many benefits to doing things this way. To give another non-marketing example, Kevin, imagine that you're a packaging manufacturer and you can't get any experts in the business to help you write content. Well, you could create a podcast or a show, whatever it might be, and you can address some of the pain points that your dream customers are having. Now, if you're in packaging manufacturing, 
a lot of people are worried about legislation that's emerging, which dictates what kind of plastics you can use in your packaging and how you can use them. What you could do is you could provide and bring on relevant experts in that field to come on and talk about those very issues, to give your dream customers guidance on the topic. So on this particular issue, Kevin, the organization that's responsible for working towards Australia's new plastic reduction targets is called APCO, A-P-C-O. You could definitely find someone from there and ask them to appear on your show to talk about it. And then bang, all of a sudden, your packaging manufacturer you're solving problems for your dream clients and then they're associating your brand with the fact that you're working closely with APCO. Uh, that's a pretty good relationship and association, I would say, Kevin. Yeah, that's an awesome example, George. And it comes back to being the host of the party, as Mason would say. So another great example of how you can get experts in to start creating the expert content. Yeah, Kevin, and the cool thing about hosting the party is when it's online, there isn't much cleanup and it doesn't cost you too much to host either. <laughs> yes, that's very true. That's very true. At most, a little bit of editing. That's about it. Yeah, that's right. That's the, that's the cleanup. <laughs> All right, George, that's our seven practical tips for getting experts to help you create content. The key takeaways for this episode are to be helpful, you actually need to know the answers to your customers' questions. The most helpful content is going to come from your experts internal to the business as a result. So you need to put yourself in their shoes and do your best to create conditions to make them want to contribute. That's it, Kevin. As always, our listeners can find links to everything we discussed in the show notes. And next week, we have a very special guest on, Kev, who really exemplifies Be Helpful and how you, dear listeners, can get started on that journey. Listeners, we're so grateful that every week more and more of you are tuning in. If we can ask one thing, it would be to please leave us a short review on whatever platform you're listening on. It's an amazing help to us and we really appreciate it. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, listeners. Take care and see you next week. See you next week. A quick note before you go, listeners. You can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.